0: Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Here we go. The Patriots have been eliminated at the hands of your Miami Dolphins. Brain, I told you it was going to happen. You didn't have faith. You, you thought the Dolphins would same old Dolphins and up, and they didn't. They went out there. Not only did they win this game, they won it in a way that I, I think probably the, the way that very few people expected it to happen. I, I mean, the Dolphins for the first time in 2020, and, and for the first time in a really long time, went out there and completely controlled the game by running the ball. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time the Dolphins had a performance like this running the ball. It's been a long time. I, I have a hard time remembering. When, I
1: mean... You got to go back to Jay Ajayi, I would think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was... This was... A really impressive performance from Savon Ahmed, Matt Breakfast-Breda, and uh, Patrick Laird even got in on the act a little bit as well. This was just a, a great performance from your Miami Dolphins, choking the life out of the Patriots by running the ball. It was so beautiful. And when the day was over, the Patriots had been eliminated their playoff hopes dashed, their dynasty dead, and there's a new world order in the AFC East, and it is a new world order between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. It seems like it's going to be exclusively the Dolphins and the Bills for the near future. Of course, you can't really count out the Patriots because who's yeah. to say they're not going to turn it around, but the the one of the other great things that happened on Sunday was that the Jets Jets did up as well because Adam Gase led the Jets to a huge road victory against the LA Rams which means now the Jacksonville Jaguars unless they manage to win another game this season the Jacksonville Jaguars will have the number one pick so Trevor Lawrence stays away from the AFC
1: East it was uh, a it, it's phenomenal, and and it can't happen to a nicer team. Uh, I, it it's incredible. Adam Gase, they, look, they should have fired him. He's he's too good. He's, he's too, too good, good to of go a coach. He's too good of a coach to
0: go zero sixteen. I've always said about the one thing I've always said about Adam Gase is that he's too good of a coach. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. I'm so pleased. So pleased. The Jets jets it up. So Trevor Lawrence is in all likelihood not coming to the AFC East, which is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, We'll talk about everything that went on on Sunday. A lot of it good for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, They didn't get a whole lot of help in the playoff department. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins control their own destiny. If they win their final two games of the season, they're in the playoffs and it doesn't matter what anybody else does. And so rather than relying on that, Let's just rely on ourselves because we've gotten pretty good at that. So we're going to get into this game to get the Patriots, talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. But first, as always, a reminder to make sure that you are following us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at a the Brain. The show is at Samo Dolphins. We invite you to go to Facebook.com slash Old Dolphins. Give us a like over there. Go to Apple Podcast or whatever your podcast provider of choice is and leave us a positive rating and review. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that it comes right to your feed in whatever your podcast catching app is. Uh, we appreciate that very much. And we appreciate all of you that have taken the time to do so already. And uh, of course, we invite you to make sure that you are going to dolphinstalk.com each and every day. It is your one stop shop for all all things Miami Dolphins, all kinds of podcasts, columns, and all kinds of other stuff up there on DolphinsTalk.com. So make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all of the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. All right, let's get into it. The Miami Dolphins defeat the New England Patriots 22-12. And we always go over the good, the bad, and the ugly. But there was not a lot of the latter two on Sunday. It was a lot of good. And if we're going to talk about the good from this game, the place that we have to start is with the performance of this running game. I mean, this running game was just fantastic. 250 yards total on the ground for the Miami Dolphins in this game, coming to it on 42 carries, an average of almost six yards per carry for the Miami Dolphins. Just gashing the New England Patriots all day long. Brand, this rushing attack was fire.
1: I mean, we said, you know, on, you know, when we did the preview show, we said this was a game where the Dolphins were going to need to run the football. Because the Patriots are a dangerous team to try to throw against. Um, And I didn't think that we needed to outrun the Patriots. I just thought we needed to be close. uh, Because you knew the Patriots were going to get some rushing yards. And the Dolphins needed to be able to match that. What they did this Sunday was just... It was shocking. Because they haven't been... I mean, they've been getting better lately. And I will give them that. But I didn't think they had this in them against any kind of decent defense. And this is going to be the question. uh, What do the Patriots look like next week against Buffalo? And what does this Dolphins rushing attack look like next week? Because I'm not sure if I believe it. Um, But for one game, this was a tremendous job by both the offensive line, uh, you know, creating space for those running backs and uh, a, an amazing job by Savan Ahmed and Matt Breida of not only taking what was there and consistently finishing runs, but when they had the opportunity to cut back and make a big play, both of them managed to do that, especially Breida uh, on a couple of occasions. So it was just, it's really impressive. I just... Can can they do that again is my big question out of that.
0: Yeah, the feeling that you walked away from this game with was that I think going forward, this is what we can probably expect the Dolphins to try to do offensively. We want them to be, I think that the goal for them is going to be a team that moves the ball well on the ground and and controls the game that way. And I you know, I, I really think we're gonna see more of that going forward. It was it was a great display. Gotta prop out the offensive line as you did. Um, I my favorite one of my favorite Dolphins highlights in a long time is that 31 yard run by Savon Achman. Robert Hunt on this Play is unbelievable. He's taking out his man, pushing him way up the field, and then another defender comes flying in and he just kind of shrugs him off with like a chicken wing. It was amazing. What he a play. He is a man. He is, he he is, is a man. grown ass man out there and and watching Bob Hunt do his thing. It was fantastic. Uh, now, obviously, Solomon Kinley got rolled up on in this game and he went out. We're not sure where he is at. As far as his um, as far as his leg goes, we're going to keep an eye on that in in the the coming days, and hopefully we'll have a better idea of where he's at by uh, by the time we record our preview later this week for the for the Raiders game. But uh, for now, that's obviously something to be concerned about and be on the lookout for. But again, a great performance by this offensive line and the running backs. But I think the other person that you've really got to give some props to is Chan Gailey, and he has gotten a lot of heat from a lot of people, but I thought that his game plan in this game was terrific, and and quite honestly, I think that um, he really... Came up with some creative and interesting play calls and some looks that we haven't really seen a lot of before. Uh, We saw the Dolphins running plays out of the pistol, which is not something that we've seen a lot of. Um, And a lot of getting players, getting guys involved in other ways. We saw some trickery with the double reverse to um, Lynn Bowden Jr., where it looked like he was maybe set up on the double reverse to throw a pass, but maybe there was nothing there. So he decided to run it. Uh, we saw the hook and lateral for a two point conversion. Uh, Chan Gailey is starting to let a few more of those wrinkles shine through for this offense. And, uh, I got to tell you, it's, it's pretty enjoyable to see. And I think this week we need to give Chan Gailey some well-earned praise
1: Brian. Absolutely. And honestly, it's long overdue. Uh, This is always going to happen (laughs) on any offense that isn't outstanding. uh, They're going to get into lulls and the, the easy guy to blame is always the play caller. And and so that, that's what's going to happen on most occasions when the offense doesn't execute, they're going to look at the play. They're going to look at the play caller and they're going to look at the quarterback. And uh, right now Tua has, I think, uh, a longer leash than than Chan Gailey does, to be perfectly honest, as far as with the fans. Uh, but Chan Gailey all year long has had some really great play design. The offense, when you really think about what the offensive coordinator's job is, yeah, it's great to have, uh, you know, these, these trick plays and all these great concepts and play design, and Chan Gailey has all of those things. But really what you want is you want your team playing as a cohesive unit and looking like everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing and can stick to a game plan and nobody's freelancing and this team looks very much like they're glued together playing for each other and that goes that 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 means um, you Chan Gailey deserves a lot of that credit, but also that comes from the top down with Brian Flores. So Brian Flores deserves a lot of credit in that regard. But Chan Gailey, all year long, I think, has done a great job with, with some of these play designs. Look, a lot of times when you run these kinds of trick plays and they don't work, you look really foolish. But when they work, you look absolutely brilliant. And so it's, it's always tricky to have the right balance of a little bit of that but not too much of it and when you do it it's at the right time and it hasn't always worked out but in this game it worked out brilliantly
0: it really did and things were clicking and so now we'll see how things continue to go over the next couple of weeks and I think a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that now we're getting some consistency two has been the starter has been healthy so you know we're starting to he's developing a relationship and a rapport and they're starting to get a little bit deeper into the playbook. All of that I think is contributing to what was overall, uh, I think a very overwhelmingly positive offensive performance. And again, just completely dominant from the running game. Uh, Another good that we've got to talk about is he did it again. This time it wasn't an interception, but he forced another turnover. Xavier and Howard did it again, forces another turnover. The Dolphins, unfortunately, aren't able to do anything with the turnover, but that doesn't take away the fact that it happened. And as of the time that we are recording this, we can now let everybody know, if you haven't heard already, Xavier Howard voted in as a Pro Bowl starter uh, at the cornerback position. He is the lone Dolphins representative on, a pro, on the AFC Pro Bowl roster this year. But, I mean, I don't think you could find anybody more deserving than Xavier Howard. What a year he has had, and he's still got two more games to go. This has just been a banner year, and again, he made another big play. He had another huge play overturned in this game. Uh, Cam Newton fumbles the ball, and Xavier Howard picks it up, runs it up the sideline into the end zone for a touchdown, but we, the ball bounced off of the leg of Christian Wilkins while he had a foot out of bounds, and therefore the ball was ruled dead at that spot. So not only did the Dolphins not get the defensive score, they didn't get the turnover there either, but in the second half, X came through and, and forced a fumble on a receiver. Um, the X-man just continues to be among the best in the league at the cornerback position, Brent.
1: Well, he's he's keeping himself alive for Defensive Player of the Year. He's yeah. been as dominant as a corner can be uh, from from the beginning of the season and on. Um, he deserves to be a, a Pro Bowler. The thing that I, I was disappointed in was that Emmanuel Ogba wasn't on this roster because I thought Emmanuel Ogba was easily a Pro Bowl player this year. And I know that, you know, in other years, he might have been named an alternate and ended up playing in the game, but there's no game this year. So there's not going to be any alternates. It's you're either made the Pro Bowl or you didn't make the Pro Bowl. And uh, it's a shame, especially when you look at uh, who got in from the AFC. Look, I'm not going to argue too much about uh, Joey Bosa and, and Miles Garrett, But Frank Clark, no, I'm sorry. Emmanuel Ogba has had a tremendous season. Uh, Has been, in a lot of ways, this is going to get... This will probably get scoffed at, uh, especially since it is my belief that Xavier Howard should be in the running for defensive player of the year. But in a lot of ways, the most important player on this Dolphins defense this season has been Emmanuel Ogba. Because... A lot of Xavier Howard's big plays have come when there has been pressure. A lot of those times it's been Emmanuel Ogba, you know, supplying that pressure. He's got two strip sacks that have led to scoop and score touchdowns, so two defensive touchdowns. I would say on a more consistent basis over the course of games, Emmanuel Ogba is making plays that really have made the difference. Uh, over the course of games than uh, Xavier Howard has. But, you know, when you have nine interceptions, that's hard to ignore. And that's not to say that Zavian Howard still isn't the defensive player of the year. I'm saying it's actually really close between Zavian Howard and Emmanuel Ogba as far as who was the most important player on this Dolphins defense. And for the Dolphins defense to be you know, either leading or second in the league in takeaways, uh, leading or second in the league in scoring difference, I mean, in scoring uh, defense, depending on what happens tonight with the Pittsburgh game. Uh, the fact that this defense only gets one Pro Bowl player when Emmanuel Ogba has had the kind of year he has is just complete, utter disrespect.
0: Yeah, well, and that's that's what happens when you let fans vote. And, you know, it's you got to take it with a grain of salt because you know, these things happen, you know, Josh Jacobs is a pro bowler and, you know, Josh Jacobs has not had, you know, some fantastic season with the Raiders. So I don't know that it's worth putting him on a pro bowl roster. So anyway, it, it's neither here nor there, but the fact remains, Xavier Howard has had a fantastic year and he was great again on Sunday. Let's move to the bad. And, there, and we got to say this, there wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot of bad. There wasn't a lot of ugly, but we're going to go and we're going to cover them because that's what we do. So let's talk about the bad brain. What was the bad for the Dolphins on Sunday?
1: Look, um, maybe, maybe we went overboard a little bit with the right leg of God. Tough. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we in this holiday season should not have been blaspheming uh, because the last two weeks, Jason Sanders has missed field goals. It's true. And uh, look, he's had a tremendous year, but he missed two field goals. And so screw him. He's not on the Pro Bowl roster. Uh, he doesn't deserve it. After you missed two field goals in the last two weeks.
2: He, not you know, when you're he's
1: when you When you're competing against Justin Tucker, you got to be perfect. You, you got to be. And look, if he really had the right leg of God, he would be in the Pro Bowl. But. We went over, We went overboard. We need to. We need to backtrack a little bit. We need to confess our sins. Get humble a little bit when it comes to to Jason Sanders because we need him in this playoff push to be better because he was not. He has not been at his best the last two weeks. So Jason Sanders, being human, that is our bad.
0: Yeah, which tells you how how good of a day it was for the Dolphins. Now, and and I should also say that we are not saying that the Dolphins need to move on from Jason Sanders or anything like that it's just this has been trade really
1: him. cut that's, him
0: that's it trade that's it get rid of him who's on the practice squad bring him in has anybody ever traded for a kicker I don't That would it's an interesting question I, I feel like Vinatieri maybe I you I know like what maybe. I think that's right I think Vinatieri was traded from New England to uh the Colts but you know, we'll, not, have to, uh, not sure we'll have to We'll have to do our research on that. But uh, 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 the other bad from Sunday really doesn't really come from the game. It it, it comes from uh, the playoff scenario surrounding the Miami Dolphins, and and it's it's bad in that literally everybody else that is in this playoff race with the Dolphins won. Every single team ahead of the Dolphins won and one of the teams behind them. So the Ravens, who the Dolphins just are ahead of by virtue of tiebreaker, but otherwise they have the same record. They ran away with their game against the Jaguars, and this is the reason that the Dolphins are not being given a high chance of making the playoffs, even though they currently hold the position uh, people are looking down at the Dolphins' chances because the Ravens have such an easy schedule down the stretch. They played the Jaguars. Next, they have the Giants, and then they close their season. Uh, I can't remember who they closed their season out, I guess. I think maybe the Jets. Um, but it's a pretty easy run of it for the Ravens down the stretch. And so people are anticipating the Dolphins might lose one of their final two games against either the Raiders or the Bills. So the Ravens won their game. The Browns won their game Sunday night. The Colts won their game virtue of by virtue of Kiki Kuti fumbling a would-be touchdown at the 2-yard line. Two games between the Texans and the Colts this year and both of them can't, were decided by the Texans fumbling the ball like within the 2-yard line uh <clears throat> in both of the games. So, so pretty frustrating there. Uh so the 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 Colts won, and the Titans won, and then of course the Bills and Chiefs won as well. Not that the Chiefs have anything to do with uh, the Dolphins' playoff hopes. Um, the Bills won their game on Saturday in Denver, which uh, clinched the division for them. And so the Dolphins are now officially only going after the wild card spot. And all of those other teams involved in that wild heart wild card race won their games on Sunday. So it really comes down to if the Dolphins find themselves in a situation where they're looking for help, help is not coming. When you look at these schedules, the teams that they need to lose twice—Cleveland and Indianapolis or or Tennessee—I don't see any of those teams losing two games. I could, I mean, I mean the Browns close out the se- regular season against Pittsburgh. I believe Indianapolis and Tennessee still have another game to play, or maybe they've already split. But it, either way, I don't see those teams losing two games. And so as a result, uh, things are looking down for for the Dolphins and and their hopes here of getting help elsewhere. I guess Baltimore could always drop well, a game. The, the The
1: Colts have the Steelers in Week 16. Okay. And then... In, well, and then in week seventeen they get the Jaguars at home. Right. But they, Who they lost could easily already this season. Yeah, well, and they could easily I mean, they're gonna be the underdog going into a game in Pittsburgh next week, where Pittsburgh is going to be battling uh to to hang on to as high a playoff seat as, as possible. Absolutely. So uh I think the Colts and we and we own the tiebreaker over the Colts. Yeah, so, so that is correct. Uh you know, we, we could be in in a position there Where uh, we could get a little bit of help from them. Um, The the Ravens, though, look they're gonna play. They're gonna play the Giants, and then they're gonna play the Bengals. Um, Yeah,
0: they're not losing a game this season.
1: And they're playing. They're they're starting to hit their stride. So they're they're a scary team to going into the playoffs. Uh, You know, first they got to make the play, but they're the kind of team that can make the playoffs as a seven seed and end up representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Right. The- well, the one thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say,
0: and and this doesn't, please don't take this to mean that I think they're going to lose, but the Giants are still technically alive in that race for that terrible NFC East division crown. They're going to need a lot of help, especially since they lost this game to the Browns. But you do have the Ravens playing against the Giants. Granted, the game is in Baltimore, but it's the Giants, fighting for their playoff lives. What we don't know is whether they're going to have Colt McCoy at quarterback or if it's, if it's going to be, uh, uh, what's his name? Daniel Jones at, at quarterback for the Giants. Either way, it is, it is exceedingly unlikely that Baltimore loses that game. It's certainly possible, but I, I think it's very unlikely. So as we said before, if the Dolphins want to make the playoffs, they got to win their final two games. And you know, granted, there's a chance that, you know, Buffalo finds themselves. Maybe we should talk about this here before we move on to the yeah. ugly. We can talk about the idea that Buffalo might be resting starters. Um, but the the fact of the matter is the Dolphins just need to win these final two games. First off, they've got to beat the Raiders. They've got to beat the Raiders on national TV Saturday night in Vegas Uh, whether it's – I think it's going to be against Marcus Mariota. I guess there's an outside shot that Derek Carr could play, but it sounded like the Raiders were not optimistic about that. So it's going to be Mariota versus Tua on, on, on Saturday night. Once the Dolphins get through that, then you can really start thinking about that game against Buffalo. But, you know, the question is, will Buffalo rest their starters? And I don't know that I am so optimistic that that is something that they are going to do. Because there is going to be a very real possibility that, yeah, the number one seed is going to be out of the way, but the number two seed is not going to be out of the way. And there's going to be an opportunity that, yeah, there are no fans going to be in the building, but to have the opportunity to not have to travel for potentially a second playoff game, I think that is something that would be worth playing your guys for, at least for a, a half a football on on you know, the final week of the season and then just see where things are. So (laughs) I I, mean, if they start
1: their players for a half, (laughs) then the Dolphins should win that game.
0: Theoretically, but I mean, we'll see, but I I just don't know that I believe that we're going to be dealing with a Buffalo Bills team that is just resting everybody on
1: the team. Well, I I, kind of do, Uh, but I think it depends. I don't think it's as much as much to do with Pittsburgh as it has to do with the other two teams. Because I think if Buffalo wins this week and they're at the Patriots and the Titans lose at Green Bay and the Colts lose at Pittsburgh, all three of those games, that would be your expected result. The Bills to win at New England, the Titans to lose at Green Bay, and the Colts to lose at Pittsburgh. If all three of those things happen, then the Bills are locked in to going into the last week of the season as either being the two or the three seed. If they're the two or three seed, there is an extreme one. What they're playing for is only whether or not they can pass the Steelers, which, uh, you know, I, I suppose is something to play for, but in this, in this season of all seasons, it just feels kind of meaningless. Uh, there's not going to be fans in the stands either way. Uh, it's not a discernible climate difference. It's not like a big time zone difference or anything like that. So I don't really see the huge benefit. I, I, I suppose you'd rather be at home, but I don't think it's this huge benefit. And when you look at the opportunity cost, first and foremost, injury. You don't want to get hurt going into the playoffs in an, in a mostly meaningless game. And secondly, if Pittsburgh is going, I mean, if Buffalo is going to be the number two or number three seed, the Miami Dolphins, if they make the playoffs, in all likelihood, are going to be a six or seven seed, which means. And, and let's add to the fact that Buffalo wouldn't even control their own destiny going into that Week 17 game. They would need to win and need the Steelers to lose. But there's a good chance that regardless of how things turn out, that the, that the Bills are going to play the Dolphins in the first week of the playoffs. And if that's the case, the Bills have the luxury that they could go into that game and not throw their best game plan out there throw all their best players out there and show the whole world what they're going to do against Miami. They have the advantage that Miami needs to win that game and Miami has to do that. And so they could play it close to the vest, force Miami to show their hand, and at the same day still probably end up in the same spot and have a huge advantage going into the next week against the Dolphins. To me, it's a no-brainer if they're in that situation. The only thing that I can see changing it is if Tennessee and Indianapolis uh, both win and, and Cleveland, you know, it, well, I guess if Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, that's, you know, that throws all that into into play because then, you know, they'll be tied. But if, if there's any risk of them falling another spot and having to play a team like Cleveland or Indianapolis or Tennessee, then maybe they look at that a little bit differently uh, as far as, uh, you know, you know, wanting to win that game and what's at stake. But to me, it's, it's pretty much a no brainer. If they, if they, if they have it locked up, there's no reason to play their players in that last game. And considering that they're playing the dolphins the next week.
0: Yeah, and and that's one of those things that I you know we're getting a little bit of ahead of our, our a little bit. We got to beat
1: Vegas first because if we don't beat exactly. Vegas, then it doesn't it it, it doesn't concern us, right? Because yeah, it mean, won't matter. It really,
0: if the Dolphins if the Dolphins don't beat the the Raiders on Saturday, none of it is going to matter unless the Dolphins get um, an absolute gift from the New York Giants, and and that is not a gift that I would uh, really be counting on. So the Dolphins need to go ahead and take care of their own business like they did this week. And if they can do that, then we'll have that conversation. And and quite frankly, I, I don't think the Bills are going to be showing their hand even if the Dolphins beat the Raiders next week and and you know, things are pretty much set where they're going to be. You know, let's say the Bills lose to New England. Well, that would be the big thing. If the Bills lose to New England, I could definitely see them uh, taking it easy week 17. But, you know, we'll uh cross that bridge when we come to it i i otherwise i think that's something we're going to find out day of the game that uh the bills are resting so and 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 so that's something we'll find out right before kickoff but we've talked about the good we've talked about the bad we're going to talk about the ugly in just a moment but before we talk about the ugly we need to talk about your ugly gentlemen and that is the area talk to me like that hey i'm sorry brain I, i i don't mean you personally uh, we got to we got to talk about manscapes. Okay? Gentlemen, if if things are getting a little unruly downstairs, if things are getting a little bit out of control, your holiday season is going to be a lot better if you get that mess under control. And the way to get that under control is to go to manscaped.com and pick out some men's below the belt grooming products. And listen, wherever you are, almost everywhere you are in the glo- on the globe. If you're in Australia, if you're in Europe, if you're in Canada, Set yourself up at manscaped.com. They will ship this stuff to you. And if you put in the promo code Talk, you'll save 20% off of your first order and get free shipping to wherever you are. So it doesn't matter if you're right down the street from Manscaped headquarters or if you're across the world in Australia... They are going to ship it to you for free. So get yourself a lawnmower 3.0 and get a very, very close shave. Set yourself up with some ball toner. Set yourself up with some ball deodorant. And uh, also the ear and nose hair trimmer, the weed whacker, that stuff is going to help you out. And it's just going to make you feel much better about yourself going into the holiday season and into the new year. Maybe uh, your new year's resolution is to make yourself more presentable. Above the, w- the belt and below the belt. Well, the way to do that is to visit manscaped.com. Put in the promo code Talk. You are going to save 20% off of your first order, and you're also going to get free shipping. So make sure that you do that. Visit manscaped.com. Use the promo code Talk, and your balls will thank you. After you're done with Manscaped.com, perhaps you'll go over to YouTube.com and do a search for Dolphins Talk and subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, where some of you are watching this right now. Hello, YouTube. How are you? Thanks, as always, for checking out the same old dolphin show on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. If you haven't uh, subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, get thee to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel at your earliest convenience, and make sure you smash that subscribe button. Again, we appreciate that very, very much. All right, let's talk about this ugly brand. And again, we're really digging a little deep here, but, because there wasn't a lot. But when we're talking about the ugly... We got to talk about this interception that Tua Tungavailoa threw towards the end of the first quarter because this was uh, a drive, a nine minute plus drive, 15 plays. And on the 15th play, Tua, under pressure, steps, well, uh, Kind of takes a step up. up. He steps up, but he takes a hit. And as he takes a hit, he throws the pass, whether he was trying to throw the ball away or he was trying to squeeze it into a really, really tight window. He's hit as he throws. And the pass is picked off in the end zone by JC Jackson. And this amazing drive, probably one of the best drives of the season for the Dolphins, comes up with nothing. And uh, this was a very, very ugly moment in this game. But even the ugly has a positive because later in the game, the Dolphins found themselves in a very similar situation with a goal-to-go scenario, and Tua drops back for a pass, and the pressure comes in, and rather than trying to squeeze a ball in, he steps up, he avoids the, the rusher, steps up, and then decides to run the ball into the end zone, turns it into a touchdown, learning from his mistake, and the Dolphins get a big touchdown and pretty much take control of the game from that point. So the interception was ugly, Brain. But what came out from it was, um, I think, a pretty big positive for the Dolphins.
1: Yeah. And I think the first half, look, we the, the one bad was a missed field goal in the first half. And then... The ugly is this interception from the first half, and that was pretty much it because this was a very much a ball control game with long drives and not very many possessions. And so the Dolphins had four possessions in the first half. the The first drive, you know, was essentially it was a three and out, but it was you know Tua hit hit the pass that he wanted, you know, in in hitting Patrick Laird and getting getting him right at the sticks and it just fell a little bit short so we had to to punt and then the very next drive to drive Tua has this amazing drive the team has this amazing drive because they ran the ball well on there the you know the foundation of them starting to run the ball you know happened on that drive but ultimately it was Tua making great throw after great throw and moving the dolphins methodically down the field and and, and doing it, you know, you see some 15-play drives uh, a lot of times that are really struggles. And, and they're still great drives in their totality when you look at it at the end, when it's all said and done. But when you're really going through it, a lot of times it's like they got a first down off of like a penalty on a on a third down. They picked up a fourth down conversion. They, it's taking them, you know three downs every single set, every single, every single series just to move the sticks. This wasn't one of those drives. There were a couple of third down conversions, but this was a really beautiful drive that we're, Miami was setting up for third and shorts because the running backs were able to pick up four or five yards on first down. We were able to you know pick up some first downs on second down. Tua was precise. It was just a really beautiful drive. And then we get down there, And after a drive like that, in a scoreless game, where you know that points are going to be at a premium, on a third and goal, the the only thing that you cannot have happen there is a turnover. And Tua has to know better. And yeah, it's, it's rough because you're asking him to not try to make a play and not throw the ball. He doesn't know that he's going to get hit as he's releasing it. Uh, which no doubt affects the the throw, the trajectory of that ball, but still, it was a low percentage play, and it's a play that can't be made in that moment. And because of that, and because of the missed field goal, the Dolphins went into halftime down six nothing, instead of having at least ten or at least six points on the board. Uh, you know, in this game. Then in the second half, this Dolphins offense, and led by Tua and the running game, could not have been better, honestly. Uh, 22 points. uh, They had five drives. Three of them ended in touchdowns. The one drive that did not was that drive after they got the turnover where they ended up going three and out. Uh, And then the last drive was the end of the game. So, you know, you're not doing anything on that drive. So three of those four drives end in the end zone, that's a phenomenal job. And like you said, it's so rare for especially a rookie quarterback to make such a gaffe on on that particular play early in the game and then later in the game, in a key spot, have that exact same situation come up and have the opportunity to right the wrong. And it happened, like almost identical it was incredible and he did exactly what you would want him to do and he, he you know that he was out there on the on the bench and he was looking at the tablet and he was like I should have run it I should have run it and he got in that same spot and he tucked it and ran showed no doubt dives into the end zone at this point and that like when he did that it was at that point that I said I'm done with this, like, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win. At this point, Tua has shown that his floor right now, well, maybe he's got a lower floor than, than Fitzpatrick right now, but it sure looks like an average Tua game is kind of what you're expecting from Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Tua just has a whole other level uh, that he could go because of his accuracy and you see that on display with the op- the opportunities that he gives his receivers after the catch by his his accuracy um, and some of the throws that he made in this game fitting into really tight windows the the fact that he's also picking up the little nuances like that so quickly I, I don't know this is uh, this was a you we were talking before the uh, before the show and you said this was quietly a really good game. By Tua, and I agree. I thought that, you know, save for the Arizona game, uh, where I thought Tua was, you know, almost brilliant start to finish, but it, especially in the second half, uh, I thought this was his best performance of the season, except for probably that game. And in a lot of ways, it was more impressive because of the opponent because of the stakes, and because of the circumstances that the Miami Dolphins were essentially without their five best offensive playmakers coming into this game yep. for the season. They we're already without Preston Williams, who was the team's number two receiver, and now you come into this game and you're without Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant and Mike Gesicki, who are 1 3 and 4 respectively and you're without your starting running back in in uh, Miles Gaskin who is who is a really good pass catching back and an upgrade over Savon Ahmed in that in that uh in that role uh for him to do what they he did and play within himself this offense to play within themselves but so precise i mean it was Tom great Brady couldn't, Tom Tom Brady couldn't have done it better, save for that one pass.
0: Yeah, it was really a great performance, and he's also starting to show his ability to read defenses and audible out of out of plays. Like there was a third and twelve situation where they were out there and they were set up for their play, and he saw something in there in the defense that New England was presenting, and he called the audible, and it, he made it a draw to Patrick Laird and Laird goes up the middle turns into a, I think a 15 yard run from Patrick Laird on a third and 12 and it allows the Dolphins to convert and it's just that's the kind of thing that you need to have a really great feel for the game to be able to look at that defense recognize it and make that call and that was something that he did which seems like a very little thing but For this, it's huge, but for this rookie quarterback to be able to diagnose what the defense is giving him pre snap and make that call and have it turn into, you know, a a third down conversion on a third and long is a
1: pretty significant play. It's huge. It's huge because, you know, that's one of those things that's not going to show up in the stat book and a casual fan isn't really going to notice and and they're not going to come away with that that play. They're not even going to think about Tua. It's going to be the furthest thing from their memory. It was a running play. But if Tua gets them out of a bad play and into a good play that moves the sticks on third down, that's as good as a third down completion for a first down that it's huge and, yeah. and you need to have plays like that. And it's more impressive and it shows great leadership for a quarterback to see that recognize it, make the change, have the courage to make the change in that spot. And also the humility to make that change and say, and not say, this is my team. It's third and eight. I need to make the play. Trusting your offense and trusting your instincts, I think, is a is just a huge part of the quarterback position, and that doesn't get talked about. It's one of those unspoken things. It's one of those nuanced things that that goes into playing quarterback, where you can't always just look at the box score and you can't always just look at the way that they throw the ball, you have to take a look at those little decisions because the quarterback is making so many of those decisions over the course of the game that don't end up in the box score that ultimately have a much bigger uh, factor on whether that play works or not. So even our ugly
0: today, turns into a positive. That's how good of a game this was for the Dolphins as they end the Patriots dynasty, they put the nail in the coffin, and they keep their own playoff hopes alive, now moving to 9-5, and guaranteeing themselves a winning season. And this is something that I said on Twitter. I believe that this Dolphins team absolutely has it in them to win the final two games of this season. I absolutely do. And, I, and quite frankly, I think they probably will do it. But whether or not this season is a success has nothing to do with the result of these final two games. Barring some sort of freak, horrible injury or something like that, whatever happens in these final two games almost none of it matters because this season is a success for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have taken a huge step forward as an organization, in fact, much further, much bigger steps forward than I think many people believed that they were going to take this year. I think both of us had the Dolphins finishing this year 7 and 9 and I had 8 and 8. You had 8 and 8. So I mean, I had them finishing 7 and 9, you had them finishing 8 and 8 and they're at least a, they're at least going to be 9 and 7. So, I mean, that is really really great. They have the possibility of finishing the regular season 11 and 5 and making it into the playoffs and that would be amazing. And but, you know, the Dolphins are playing with house money at this point this season. They have they have succeeded big time. You've identified a lot of areas where you've got You've taken big positive steps forward. I mean, oh, every aspect of the defense has taken a step forward this year. I think we could still bolster the defensive line a little bit more, and we can probably add a little bit more depth at linebacker as well. But your secondary is elite. On the offensive side of the ball, you've identified we don't have any skill, we need to upgrade all of our skill position players. There, are, I see people making arguments that maybe Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin are the running backs that we need. I, I disagree with that. I think, I think if you can find a cheap running back in free agency, or you can draft a running back, that's the way to go. I, th- I still think
1: you need to. Upgrade I don't think they need position. to go the free agent route. <laughs> no, I don't think they need. Not, if but we know yeah. that they need, especially to go if the, it's a, especially the, the cheap free agent route. Like, sure, if you're going to go, they did that with Yeah, I mean, well, we've seen that with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. I would say that at this point, if you're going to spend free agent money on a running back, it's got to be just a stud that you're bringing in, that you know, that you, you have got confidence this guy is going to be the lead guy for the next three years. I think it's way more likely that we keep, you know, Gaskin and Ahmed and even Patrick Laird and draft a running back in the first. Yeah, I think that's, you know, in the first two rounds.
0: uh, Najee Harris or uh, Travis Etienne. These are guys that I think a lot of Dolphin fans have their eyes on. And, you know, there may be other guys in there as well. But I think what we've identified, what we've identified is that the Dolphins do need to draft um, or add depth at running back, trying to find a legit, star starting running back. They also need to upgrade wide receiver. And that is a route that I think we will absolutely see the Dolphins sign a free agent wide receiver as well as draft one, if not multiple wide receivers in the draft, um, because that's an area where the Dolphins need to upgrade. But one thing that we know this season, because Tua got in and because Tua played, I feel pretty good that this team doesn't need to go out and draft a quarterback early in the draft. Now, would it surprise me if the Dolphins took a quarterback in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of this draft? No, not at all, because obviously you need to have somebody else, you need to have a backup backup there and you know maybe you can get Ryan Fitzpatrick to hang around for another year but I think you know the Dolphins would need to have somebody behind Tua Tungabailoa that isn't Jake Rudock or somebody like that um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they took um, a quarterback late in the draft but that's and that would be um, more of a depth move as opposed to a backup plan for Tua kind of move because I I feel very confident at this point that Tua is the franchise quarterback that we've been looking for. And, and you know, we're going to have this. There are going to be people every time he has a bad game from now until the end of his career, you're going to have some guy out there who's like, this is not the quarterback. This is not the guy. No. He's just Ryan Tannehill. He is he is already showing much more sign of being the guy than Ryan Tannehill did at this point in his career, is what I
1: will say. Well, I, yeah, but at the same time, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit uh, because when Tua threw that interception in in the first quarter of this game, uh, you know, on Sunday. And, and I even said, I even tweeted out there at halftime, I thought Tua overall had a really nice first half. He just made one really bad throw uh, that, that you can't have back. And a lot of times, you know, in a game like this where possessions were at a premium and therefore points are at a premium, you can't make that mistake. And then, you know, at the end of the half, he did what he needed to do to get the Dolphins in scoring range uh, to get a field goal and they missed the field goal. That said, you know, he did throw that interception. Sure. And you couldn't go into that second half. Uh, you know, I I came out of, I went into halftime thinking, all right, Tua's looked really good, but he's still got to prove that he can finish. Uh, and he needs to play better. He needed to play better. I don't think we've gotten to the point where, I mean, at least I haven't. Maybe you have, but I haven't gotten to the point yet where, uh, when when we go out there, I know Tua is going to have a good game, and then when he has a bad game, it's the it's the exception to the rule. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, and until we're at that point, I don't think it's fair to say that we know that we've gotten our franchise quarterback. I feel really good with what I've seen this year from TuA, and I feel like we have seen enough and we've seen the growth in TuA that we know we're not drafting a quarterback in the first two rounds of this year's draft, that it's not something that we're thinking about. But I don't think we've gotten to the point where, you know, we think Tua is going to be Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or Patrick Mahomes or anything. I don't think he's he's done enough to prove that. I hope that he will. I don't think there's really anything he can do the rest of the season to do that because I've seen enough quarterbacks have really great years whether it's their first year, their fourth year, their eighth year. I've seen enough quarterbacks have a really great season and then regress the the following year and never hit that peak that they had sure. in that one season. So I don't think there's anything that Tua can do to get us to that level now, but he can build the foundation. And what he's done is he's done enough to for us to feel confident that we may have a, uh, a franchise quarterback you could you could sit there and you could say oh no I believe two is the guy and 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 he's definitely going to be a franchise quarterback and you might be right. You know, three years from now, we you might be pounding your chest and saying, I was the first to know that Tua was the guy. But honestly, you're just rooting for it at this point. You're being a homer. He's been solid. He's been good at times. He's, he's had some flashes of brilliance. But I don't think we're there yet where we can say Tua is the franchise quarterback. We have no doubt about it. Like if that if that was the case, you'd be saying, well, then this season isn't a success if we don't make it to the playoffs. Well, let me tell because you this. I'm sorry. If, if Tua is the guy and Tua is like this great franchise quarterback, then this season is not a success if we don't make the playoffs because he's got a chance to carry the Dolphins to the playoffs in the last two weeks.
0: That's true. And he may very well do just that. I mean, and literally carrying them because he doesn't have a lot of skill position players around him at the moment. But- I I will say this, maybe it was just Chan Gailey out scheming Bill Belichick, but this New England Patriots team made Justin Herbert look like a fool when they were matched up with the LA chargers, the guy that everybody is talking about, he's the best looking rookie quarterback out of the class, out of Joe burrow Tua a tongue uh, Jalen hurts and Justin Herbert. Herbert is the guy that's having the best season. And quite frankly, it's probably difficult to argue with that, that Herbert is probably overall the one that's having the best season overall, as far as performances on the field. Although I, I mean, you could argue, you know, you look at this eh, two, of six and two as a starter, Hey, whatever. Um, but, Justin Herbert was completely shut down and fooled by the New England Patriots. And Tua went out there and put on, you know, not to say that he went out there and was Joe Montana or Dan Marino or anything like that, but he went out there and he managed the game beautifully against um, a, a tricky New England defense that a lot of people say is overrated because a lot of people are considering what the Patriots used to be on defense as opposed to what they currently are. But either way, the team that shut out the Chargers struggled to stop the Dolphins and Tua on Sunday. So you got to feel good about that. Regardless, we find ourselves now with two weeks to go knowing that the Miami Dolphins can win two more games and be in the 2020 NFL playoffs. And that is pretty fantastic and no Dolphins fan will argue against that and quite frankly we're still going to end up with a top 10 pick because of the Houston Texans so it might even be a top five and there is there is an outside chance that it could be a top five pick and so if you really want it to be top five pick you got to really root for the Bengals actually to beat the Steelers tonight because if the Bengals somehow beat the Steelers and then the Bengals beat the uh and then the Bengals beat the, the Texans next week, that pick gets even higher. But Or hey, the if the t- season
1: ended today, the Dolphins would have what? The number four pick? Uh, I believe it would be the number five pick
0: or six pick at the moment. Let me pull up the Tankathon rankings. Vamp a little bit. I'll I'll take a look at the Tankathon standings.
1: Yeah, I mean, regardless, they're sitting right at that that number five. I, last I checked, I think it was actually the number four pick. I think they're they're there with a cup with another team at four and ten, and then there's just a, a slew of teams at five and nine. As it stands um,
0: right now, as it stands right now, uh, the Dolphins have the sixth pick because Houston, Carolina, and Atlanta are all 4-10, and and Houston has the toughest strength of schedule because they're in that division with Tennessee and Indianapolis. So um, we need the Falcons and Panthers to win games. Uh, But like I said, if Cincinnati beats Pittsburgh, and then I believe Cincinnati has Houston on their schedule coming up here. Uh, Yeah, next week, week 16, at Cincinnati, at Houston, so if Cincinnati can get on a two game winning streak here that would uh, have that would have the Bengals at four, ten, and one, and the Texans would be four and eleven, so that would put uh, you know that would put Houston definitely in the top five and then it depends on what Carolina and Atlanta do. Let me just double check that those two teams aren 't playing each other again they 're not Atlanta. I could easily see Atlanta losing their final two games of the season. They're at Kansas City and at Tampa Bay. So I don't know that they're winning another game. Let's look at what Carolina is doing here. Uh, Carolina is at Washington, which is losable, and then uh, playing the Saints at home in the season finale, um, which is obviously a losable game. But the Saints will likely not have a lot to play for. They should have the division wrapped up at that point. So anyway. There it is. So, I mean, the best chance for the Dolphins getting into that top five with that Houston pick would be the Bengals uh, beating the Steelers today and then beating the Texans next week. As we record right now, uh, Giovanni Bernard has just scored a touchdown for the Bengals to put them up 9 nothing over the Steelers, who have been terrible so far in the, uh, in the first half of this game against the Bengals. So, hey, listen anything is possible. Of course, by the time you're listening to this, you know the result of that game already, but here we are. This is the kind of thing that we're rooting for. It's kind of exciting because we're rooting for the Dolphins to win their final two games to get into the playoffs while we're rooting for other teams to lose so that we can get a higher draft pick. This is way better than last year when we were just kind of, you know, if the Dolphins lose, we get a higher draft pick this year. If the Dolphins win, we could still end up with a higher draft pick. It's pretty fantastic. Um, But I think that's going to wrap us up for this one. So let me just give you an idea of where things are going to go this week. We are going to record a day earlier than usual this week. Typically, the brain and I record on Friday evening and get the show out to you on Saturday. Of course, this Friday is Christmas. So we are going to record Thursday afternoon, get the rare afternoon recording session of the same old Dolphin Show, and we will release that for you uh, Thursday evening or uh, Friday morning. So Uh, You will be able to open the presents, drink some coffee, and sit on the couch watching NBA basketball while listening to the same old Dolphin show. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We'll get it out to you a day early because the Dolphins are also playing a day early which is uh, pretty exciting as well. And uh, as far as how things go after that, uh, the final week of the season schedule is going to get a little wonky because the brain and his wife are taking a little trip. So we'll get all that figured out, but we'll we'll get get it taken care of. We're not going to worry about that yet. What we're going to worry about right now is having a good week. The Dolphins are right in the thick of things. Let's find out what's going on with Solomon Kindley. Hopefully he's all right. Um, dolphins waved Antonio Calloway today, which is a story that I'm interested in getting to the bottom of. Uh, some people, some of the uh, amateur Twitter sleuths are suggesting that Callaway has been waved because maybe Preston Williams is coming back for the final couple of games of the season. Um, Dolphins have been very quiet about Preston Williams and his status going forward, so that's certainly a possibility. It's also a possibility that Callaway, um, who has a history of getting into trouble off the field, maybe had an issue. I don't want to I don't want to speculate or anything like that. I, I just. When, when you haven't heard anything and then suddenly Callaway was used very little um, in this game on Sunday against the Patriots and then he gets waved, um, quietly, it, it makes you wonder if there isn't something going on there, especially because he was on the roster when they decided to bring back Isaiah Ford. Who knows? Who knows? But um, anyway, that's something that has happened. We'll we'll get into that when we need to get into it. Either, Either way, right now, he is not part of the team and he's not part of their plans, at least as far as we can tell. We will be back in your ears, either Thursday evening or Friday morning with our preview show for this big game against the Raiders. I love it. I mean, it's four consecutive big games. Every game has been so big. And this is the kind of thing that we need to get used to as Dolphin fans now because this is, this is it. This is what our team is going to be doing now, is, is playing in big games because they're our team that is going to be a competitor and they're going to be contenders. And I think that is a very good thing. Uh, for, for all Dolphin fans out there. So e- even if you're one of the cynical fans who thinks this team is the same old Dolphins, and listen, I've been saying it for a few weeks, I don't think these are the same old Dolphins. I mean, the way they won that game on Sunday, to, to come out and have a bad start and then turn it around and end up completely controlling the game, that's not same old Dolphins. That was a pretty, pretty exciting thing for them to do. Well, here's
1: the thing. I am I look, I even Are you all tweeted in? it out. Are you all in? So, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but here's the thing. As great as this performance was, it would be extremely very same old dolphins. It would be extremely same old dolphins. Extremely very if they came out if they came out and lost to Vegas. Yeah, extremely very. It would be extremely very same old Dolphins if they came out and lost to Las Vegas and just, you know, crapped the bet. And if they do that, then it erases how great you feel. What truly defines a great team, even a good team, even a really good team, is that there is a consistency from week to week. It's not a, you won this big game, And then you lose a game that you're supposed to win. You're supposed to win the games that you're supposed to win and, you know, play really well in those other games that are either 50-50 or, uh, you're, you're maybe the underdog and then you win a couple of them. And what we, you know, we've seen that from the Dolphins this season, but the last time that I was ready to go all in, we lost to a Denver Broncos team that's now sitting at five and nine.
0: Yeah, so that just got
1: beat by almost 30 by to Buffalo, right? So I'm not there yet. I th- they need to show that they're not just going to revert back to what they were because I'm not necessarily sold that they can replicate that offense that that performance on the ground because if they don't replicate that performance on the ground, you know, I don't know if Devonte Parker or Jakeem Grant is healthy. Uh, but if they don't run, you were right when you said before, I think this is very much what the Dolphins are going to hope to be in the future. But there's no guarantee that they're able to do that on a week-to-week basis at this point. And so if they're not able to do that, I think it's very easy. I could very easily see this Dolphins team struggling to put up 17 points against the against the Raiders and the Raiders are too good on offense to only score 17 points against. So, the, you know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, uh, give any spoilers as to my pick on on Sunday or on Saturday because we'll save that for the preview show. I, but I feel good about our chances going into this game but I'm not at the point yet where I'm all in on this team and I'm and I'm sold that they're not the same old Dolphins. I will agree with you. At the end of the day, when, when I look back at the season, even if we lose the last two games of the season, when I look back a few weeks after, I'll probably say that was a really good year and I feel really great about the Dolphins going forward. But in the here and now, when they win g- games the way they won this game on sunday the expectation rises and you can't win that game and not be brutally disappointed if we lose next week to to vegas and i'm sorry if you lose that game to vegas and then you beat buffalo at the end of the season and you go back and you look at that game and you say hey if only we would have beaten the raiders we'd be in the playoffs it's hard to look at that as an unmitigated success.
0: Sure. And of course you'd be, dis- there'd be disappointment, but like I said, big picture, when you look at it from the macro level, the season is already a success, but yeah. we'll get into that. den we'll get into the Oakland or Vegas. Jeez. I said Denver. Then I said, Oakland, where there's not even a team. And then I said, Vegas, that's clearly time to wrap it up. So that's what we're going to do. We're gonna wrap it up. We'll be back on Christmas Eve slash Christmas morning into your earballs. Uh, for now, take care. Enjoy your final few days of Christmas and holiday shopping. We will. Uh, we'll be back with you later this week. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody.
2: Go Dolphins! Miami's the Dolphins, the greatest of all team. We take the ball from of goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking to my the.